Years ago, I read a book, and the author's name is Robert Fulgham. And the title of the book I read was, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. It's interesting, right, that title. And I think it's really true. In Robert Fulgham's book, he reminds us of some of the things we learned in kindergarten, like share everything. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Keep your hands to yourself. That was mine. Mind your own business. Clean up your own mess. Y'all remember any of this? I know it's been a long time for a few of you. My kindergarten teacher name was Mrs. Keithen. She's dead now, because that was a long time ago. <laughs> she has to be. <laughs> that didn't come out right, did it? <laughs> well, I was only five. She has to be dead now. <laughs> Unless she's a hundred and something years old. That's, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that to sound bad. Y'all were thinking it. So, <laughs> things, I learned, things I learned in kindergarten. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Some of you are still trying to figure that one out. Learn some, think some, draw some every day. Sing and dance and play and work every day some. And when you go out into the world, watch for cars and stick together. He goes on to say, think of what a better world it would be if at three o'clock every afternoon we all had cookies and milk and took a nap. <laughs> I just, things I learned when I was in kindergarten. Why are we so stupid sometimes? Why don't we go back? And then Robert Fulgham says, wouldn't life be grand if all of that was true, and if all of that happened. And then he concludes his book by saying, I realize that I already know most of what's necessary to live a meaningful life. I realize I already know that, and it really isn't all that complicated. Now, with that story in mind, I go to the book of Genesis chapter six, and it's the story of Noah and the flood. So let me read a couple of verses and then we're gonna find some wisdom in this story. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time and the Lord regretted that he had made human beings. Man, I hope when God looks at my life, he is thankful he made me. 
that, that even in all of my mistakes, that he knows the intent of my heart is to do good and love him and love people. And I hope he doesn't regret. Amen. Y'all can go home now. That's a pretty good sermon right there, right? The Lord regretted that he had made human beings and his heart was deeply troubled. Verse 17, he said, I'm gonna bring floodwaters on the earth and destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. Then in chapter seven, verse 13 says, on the very same day, Noah and his sons and Noah's wife and his three wives, his three Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons entered the ark. They and every animal of its kind went into the ark two by two of all flesh, which was, had the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut the door of the ark. And the flood was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now the water stayed longer than that, but it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Now the story of Noah is, is tragic to say the least, right? That God had to get to a place or we, man put God in a place where he's like, I, I gotta start over. But this story is also full of hidden wisdom. And, and like Robert, Robert Fulgham's book, uh, much of what we need to know and understand about life we can find in this story. So I wanna give you uh, 12 little things to write down, okay? I hope you're taking notes. And I want us to see some of the hidden wisdom found in this story. Are you ready? Here's the first one. Never forget, this is wisdom from the story of Noah. Never forget we're all in the same boat. Never forget we're all in the same boat. If we're gonna live in heaven together, we'd better figure out how to live with one another right now. And I, thank you for that, that golf clap. Thank you for that, it's just so nice. Sound like a Sunday afternoon taking a nap, doesn't it? What's that little clap? Oh, that's a golf clap. No, we gotta learn to live together. We gotta learn to live together in America. We gotta learn to live together on this planet. We gotta learn to love each other and respect and appreciate our differences because we're all in the same boat, everybody. The church, the church of the living God is God's idea. This church was not man's idea. The church, and I'm not just talking about Skybreak, I'm talking about the church that Pastor Jared Green was talking about a while ago. We're here to build his church. Jesus came to the earth, not just to Israel, not just to America, not just to Africa, not just to Australia, not just to Finland. Jesus came to the whole world. And the church is meant to be a glimpse of heaven on earth. Jesus said to pray this way, your kingdom come, when he taught his followers. How do we pray? He said, you pray that my kingdom in heaven, God's kingdom in heaven will come to earth and that his will would be done on earth. That's what the church is supposed to be. That's what the church is supposed to look like. Skybreak Church, thank God, is what heaven's going to look like. When you look around this church, you see brothers and sisters. Come on now, that's worthy of a clap. This didn't happen by accident. And you don't find this everywhere on a Sunday morning. Because the truth is, I've discovered in my years of living that we all really want the same things. We all really want the same things. We want love, 
We want acceptance, we want friends, we want money, we want sex, we want respect, we want health, we want hope, we want fulfillment, we want understanding, and we wanna have some fun. Everybody wants the same thing. So why can't we all get along? Because we're all in the same boat. Don't forget that. United we stand, divided we fall. We're all in the same boat. So just because you're working on your end of the boat, if there's a hole somewhere else, we're all going down. And if you're drilling a hole and you're part of the boat, we're gonna talk to you. <laughs> Emphatically. Here's some more wisdom from Noah. You ready? Got 12 of them. We just got one. Here's the second one. Plan ahead. Plan ahead. Why? Because it wasn't raining when Noah built the ark. It wasn't raining when he built the ark. Now, now let, me, let me say it a little differently. If you like to procrastinate, make sure you take swimming lessons. Now, in case you missed part of that story of Noah... If you're not in the ark, you better be able to swim good because that's what you're gonna have to do. So here's my point. What decision, what decision do you need to make today that you've been waiting to make? So pastor, that's not very deep. No, that's pretty profound if you've been putting off things that will change your life forever for the good or the bad. What decisions do you need to make? What, what, what choice? Saving money takes planning. Building a marriage takes planning and energy and consistency. Training kids requires your time. If you want a great marriage, you gotta plan for it. If you wanna be debt free, you gotta plan for it. Don't think scratching that ticket's gonna fix the problem. It won't fix it. And if you scratch the ticket and you win, you probably won't have it five years from now anyway if you don't know already how to manage what you already got. If you want to go to heaven, you should plan now. But I'm young. I got the rest of my life. You may not. You got to plan now. Dave Ramsey, the financial guru, says, says it this way, and this wisdom applies to everything. He says, live like no one else so you can live like no one else. Oh, I missed that, Pastor. Well, let me say it again. I told this to a young man, a 20-year-old young man. I told this to him two days ago. Never met him before. We were talking. He and his father were in business, the same business. And I found out they were father and the son, and they were having a little quarrel. And so I just jumped in. <laughs> I was the customer. And had a good conversation, but I said, hey, I want to tell you something I learned. He was talking about, I'm 20 years old, I'm trying to make some decisions. And I, I quoted him that, that quote. I said, if you live like no one else now, then you can live like no one else later. Here's another way to say it. You can play now and pay later, or you can pay now and play later. Y'all with me? Okay, wisdom from Noah. Plan ahead. Here's the third bit of wisdom. Stay fit. Because when you're older, somebody might ask you to do something really big. Do you know that Noah was 600 years old? Oh. Six, take care of your 
body and your soul, your mind, because God's not finished with you yet. And the truth is, I'm learning at, at my age that life experience is invaluable, and I can save you a lot of heartache, and we need to know and learn from other people's life experience. Some people say, well, I just want to learn it the hard way, and that's really stupid, because <laughs> you can learn some things the easy way by learning what other people did that was dumb and like, I ain't doing that. I made plenty of dumb mistakes in my life, but there's a bunch of them I have avoided because I'm like, I'm not gonna do it like that. I know what's gonna happen there. It'd be really dumb to, to just drive off the bridge, I mean, off the, off the, where there's no bridge, when you know there's no bridge. With somebody, just learn from other people. And then stay fit. Who said you can't teach an old dog new tricks? I beg to differ with you. Sometimes the best wisdom that you can also give to another person is, is, is don't do what I did. Don't do what I did. So stay fit. You gotta understand that life is short and at any age, God will use you. Noah was 600. Or here's another bit of wisdom hidden in the story of Noah. Don't listen to doubting critics. Just get on with what has to be done. Now, this is a tough one sometimes because, let me say it this way. I suppose everyone but Noah's family disagreed with him on this decision of building a boat and everyone was wrong. Because the critic is someone who has a negative comment about almost everything. So here's what I want you to ask yourself. Are you negative towards change or positive towards progress? The life coach Sam Chan says it this way. He says, people are not resistant to change if they're in control of it. We just don't like change when it's imposed upon us. And most change in our life comes because it's imposed. It just happens and you can't stop it. And so what we do is change starts happening that we can't stop because change inevitably is the only thing that will never stop. Change will always happen. It's not gonna be like it was five years ago, nothing. It's not gonna be like it was 20 years ago and it sure ain't gonna be like it was 50 years ago. Everything changes. Listen, the new designs of vehicles come out. I had nothing to do with it. And I, they drive down the road, and I'm like, that's the ugliest thing I ever see. Who wants to drive a, and then about three years from now, somebody will own one. I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. <laughs> because change, we don't like change. Some of us hadn't changed our hairstyle in 45 years. We don't like change. Mine changed on its own. It just all started falling out and I couldn't stop it. And then you're like, what do you do? And so what we do though, because we don't like change, is then we'll change something that we are in control of so we feel like we're leading the change. And, and we make decisions sometimes that are very unwise. And when, when if we just realize change is happening, why don't I just be a part of this and be positive about it and quit criticizing everything? Well, I don't like it, and I don't like it, and I don't like it. And I don't. Well, I just had to learn to shut my mouth sometimes. Because when music changes, I'm like, man, I don't want to listen to that music. Well, listen to your own music. But guess what? In a few years, then that music 
is old and another music. And then, just stay up with the times. Don't be so far behind. Anyway, let me get on. I'm ranting in here a little bit. People can say the, people can say the most negative statements at the most inappropriate times. And I'm sure Noah had his share of it. Like, why? Why, why are we doing this? Why, why are you taking all this money and all this energy, Noah, and building a boat? It ain't never rained. But why are you, you sure God told you that? Doubting credit. I wonder how many times I've heard things like that in my many years of ministry and life. You know, it's like, you sure God told you? And if I didn't hear it coming out of their mouth, I saw it coming out of their eyes. You knew it in their attitude, right? So, so let me say to the, it's very important that remember we're all in the same boat, and we need to, and, and we're all headed the same place, and we need to stay fit when we get, and we need to, we need to recognize. But don't be a doubting critic. There's a healthy way to offer a difference in opinion and to address a disagreement, but continual criticism creates negativity. It did take Noah 120 years to build the ark and sometimes it just takes a while and you need to just be along for the ride and we didn't know, he didn't know, nobody knows when Jesus is coming. How long it's gonna take, how long it's gonna take me to build this marriage? The rest of your life. Okay, so stop complaining. What about the church? When are we gonna stop changing? Never. Because new people are coming and you're aging All of you are aging. Those of you who were 15 are now 25. Thank God you don't act like you were 15 anymore. Those of you who are 25, you're now 40. Some of us are older than that. I like to be around people, though, who have life in them, and they're like, man, life is changing, and you know, I don't, there, there's some things that can't change. We'll talk about that, but I'm just saying, can, can you just smile a little bit, and if you don't have something good to say, sometimes just don't say anything. But don't let your silence be so, so loud that everybody else in the room feels your vibe. Like, ooh. Man, this is deep stuff right here. Wisdom from the story of Noah. I wonder how many sermons he preached while he had a hammer in one hand and his, his notes for his sermon in the other saying, gonna rain, you need to get ready. Help me build this boat. You need to get on here because everybody's gonna die. God told me, and they're like, and you've been saying that for 75 years. Here's the next bit of wisdom. Number five, for safety's sake, always travel in pairs. The Bible says that two of every kind of breathing animal was brought into the ark. The book of Ecclesiastes is very clear. Chapter four, it says two are always better than one. There's some synergy that happens when two are together. There's a lot of examples of this. One example, if I get the numbers right in my head, one horse can pull like 15,000 pounds. If you take a, a, a horse and hook it up to a yoke and, and a weight, one horse like 12 to 15,000 pounds, I may be wrong, but... If the numbers are wrong, the, the theory and the, the truth is in, they pull like twelve to 15,000 pounds by themselves. So you think that two horses could pull double that. But the truth is you put two horses together and it almost triples. Why? Because unity, together, there's something, 
There's synergy. Something changes when we're together. Adam was alone and God said it's not good. And that's why we say to you, we've said it a thousand times if we said it once. Life moves at the speed of your relationships. You were never meant to do life alone. And the people you associate with either make you better or they bring you down. And you need to choose your people carefully. And you need to live life in pairs and make sure it's the right pair. You need to have somebody. We all need two or three people. Listen to me. We all need two or three people who know you and who can call you out when, you're, when it's needed to be called out and say, hey, straighten up. You say, well, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Then God bless you because you're on your own and that's a scary place to be. We call it small groups here at Skybreak Church. We all talk about that all the time and we're not gonna stop talking about it because you need two or three people that have got your back but also can call your hand when you, get, when you get to thinking stupid. Listen, I text two of my dearest friends yesterday. They are pastors and they are like brothers to me and I text them yesterday with tears in my eyes, upset about circumstances, dealing with it and I said, if you see stupid in me, me, please tell me. Because too many people become an island to themselves. You get alone and you think you got all that going on and you're everything in that in a bag of chips by yourself and you can make it work and you can't make it work because you have blind spots and you need people who can look at you for who you really are that really love you though. Not, not critics, that's not what I'm, critics don't help. I just like, well, man, y'all just need to be nice. But I'm talking about people who we've got a bond here and, I've, and you give them the access. I texted them yesterday, two of them. I said, you have access. I'm accountable to you. If you see stupid in me, please tell me. Y'all okay? Pastor, you're getting riled up about this. Yes, because it'd be dumb as you age and get in the 60, your 60s, like I'm 61, and, and, and my wife's 62, and to, to be. <laughs> I think a guy wrote a song about that, said, older women are better Christians. I think that's what it says, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, y'all say what that's not what it says? Yeah, I know. But it would be dumb at 61 years old for the next 10 years of my life to not finish. And I'm not gonna be done in 10 years, but I'm like, as you get to be 61, I'm like, I wanna finish strong. And I'm not finishing, but I just wanna make these years like, the wisdom and the experience to say, I can help people. I can talk about things because I've been there. I know what pain feels like. I know what trust and faith is all about. I get it. I, I understand what managing money right, how it can benefit. I understand good. I've made plenty of dumb mistakes, but I can tell you that too. Don't do that. Do this. So here's what I'm saying. There's wisdom in this story. Life as, as Noah experienced it, stop trying to do life alone the devil, let me say it this way. The devil is working very hard right now to destroy trust in one another. He's doing his best to separate us as people groups, 
to separate us as nations, to separate us in America and around the world. He wants us isolated. And I'm telling you, he knows that when we're united, nothing can stop us. He knows that when we get together, nothing can stop us. And so you need to realize that and you need to know who you can trust and you better start building that trust and quit listening to the naysayers and the people who are trying to separate and divide and think about it. God is a uniter, the devil is a divider. If at the end it's division, you might want to stay away from it. Because what the devil really wants us to do is not trust anybody. He doesn't just, you think, well, he's just trying to destroy my marriage. No, he don't want you to believe in anybody. He wants you by yourself. That's exactly the way he started with Eve. He wanted her by herself. And people that have a negative tale to tell, they want to get you alone and talk to you. I, got, I need to tell you something. You need to be careful what you're listening to. All right, here's some more wisdom from the book of Noah. Build your life on high ground. High ground. So, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me say it this way. What values are you building your life on? Everybody say values. I'm not talking about a price tag. I'm talking about a value. A value is something that doesn't change and you're, you're not willing to compromise it. Now, you can have values. <laughs> Listen to this. You can have values and they not be God values and they be yours. You need to make sure your values are not just your values, but they're God values. Okay, let me say that again. Some people have values, and they're like, well, I'm gonna stand on my values. Well, I'm, good, I'm glad with that. If it, as long as it aligns with the scripture, and it's God value. Okay, what are your values? What are your values? So like regarding your spouse and your marriage, what are your values? Like one of my values is I, would never, I never have talked to another person critically, another man or woman alone critically about my wife. That's just a value because it, it does no one any good and now you have those people having to make a decision whether they're gonna align with you or your spouse because they probably know both of you. And then I have a value that when we have, if we had any marriage issues growing up, I didn't go talk to somebody who had a broken marriage that had been to two divorces and trying to ask them if they could give me advice about my marriage. I would talk to somebody who'd been around about 900 years and I didn't care if they looked like it. If they still together, talk to me. Last week, my parents celebrated 65 years of marriage. I'm like, yeah, come on now. I wanna hang around those kind of people, right? First of all, that they live long enough to do it. 65 years, they've been together like, hey, go buy another diamond ring. You can probably afford it now. Oh man, my wife's over here amening really big on that one. I'm out. Well, we got a ways for 65 years, so hang on. <laughs> she told me the other day she wanted another diamond. I'm like, well, how many you got to have in a marriage lifetime? <laughs> that she's <laughs> as many as I asked for. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> what are your values, though? Do your friends know your values about marriage? Do they know your value about how you're raising your kids? Do other people, because if they don't know, you need to tell them, and if they don't align with that, you need some new friends. Because you want people that, like, if your kids are hanging out with their kids, that, that your kids are getting the same values at their house that they get at your house. We okay with all this? But let me put it in perspective, and I'll move to the next one. And I say this because it's important to know. And I had a wonderful conversation with my 15-year-old granddaughter. 
I'm looking for, where's Layla? Wave your hand, Layla. Not 15 yet, she's 14, but we had a wonderful time yesterday. We went shopping. Hey, we went shopping. We hung out and had a, had a good time, and we had a good talk. And I told her something yesterday. I said, when I was a young person, I made some decisions that I knew were very important. I knew my, myself. So two things this came to mind, and, and of course, I'm thinking about my talk today, and then I was spending time with her, and I said, what, as a teenager, on Friday nights, uh, all the kids went to the dance hall and drinking and doing their thing, you know, and, and I just knew I couldn't do that. Now, if you want to go do that, that's your decision. But I had to, I knew, I'm like, if I, I just can't go do that because I don't want to be around the drinking and I don't know, and there's other things that go on and I'm like 16 or 17 years old and, and probably not the best manager of hormones and, and life change and decisions. And I said, you know what, I, I can't go. Here's another thing I chose not to do. We live an hour and a half in, when I was growing up from the beach and all the, like once a month, everybody goes to the beach. I'm like, ain't nothing wrong with going to the beach. But I knew that it wasn't the place for me as a 16, 17-year-old boy in my own vehicle to be at the beach. With all that goes on at the beach, I said, I, 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 I just can't go. And I didn't go. And I avoided some things that otherwise would have been a temptation that I decided I'm not even going to... Now, maybe going to be, you're like, Pastor, that doesn't mean anything. I get that. I'm just talking about meaning. I had to set some values, and I had to live by them, and I didn't want somebody else saying, oh, it's all right. Come on. Keep on. You'll be all right. Come on. You can drink a little. It's okay that the girls are half naked at the beach. Just don't look. Yeah. I'm like, I'm 16. <laughs> can I be playing with you today? I'm just, don't act like this doesn't exist. I, 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 not to be silly, but on a very serious note, because people make dumb decisions, and I know some teenagers that have made some dumb decisions that they live with the rest of their life. And it doesn't make you a dumb person, but under the influence of alcohol or some other substance or just being stupid or being tempted and peer pressure and people do things that they would never have done in their right mind or with the right environment. They would have never made that decision and they have a memory or a scar or something that's there the rest of their life. Don't tell me it's worth it. You better listen to me. And I just was wise enough and had enough courage to make some of those de decisions early on that kept me. That's why I was able to grow up so soon and, and leave home at 17 because I just, I just was, a, but I'm just telling you, I'm not saying, Pat, I'm just saying you need to decide what are your, I decided early on, this is where the line is and I just can't cross it. And you need to decide that. Now that doesn't mean I'm perfect. Man, I made plenty of mistakes. Don't ask my parents. But what values are guiding your life? Okay, wisdom here, okay? Build your high, house on high ground. Keep your house on high ground, okay? Here's the seventh one, we'll hurry. Speed isn't always an advantage. Speed isn't all, it always, because the snails and the cheetahs were in the same boat. Sometimes the best thing you can say is I'm still here. That's been our story, Janet and I, we didn't quit, 
and it may not be pretty, and maybe there's this long story of disease, but we're still here. And I'm just saying to you, some of you is like, I'm still here. It hasn't been pretty. We've made a lot of mistakes, and there's scars, but I'm still here. Okay? And let me just kind of conclude that thought. by Stop trying to keep up and just set a sustainable pace. Here's the eighth one. When you're stressed, float a while. Some of y'all just need to chill. I've learned the older I get, you know, man, some people, y'all just too uptight. <laughs> you way too uptight. And life's too short to be that uptight. And you're just gonna have high blood pressure and stomach ulcers and headaches and, and bad health and you just need to take a chill pill and you just need to relax and you need to, you need to have, have some fun. They that wait on the Lord renew their strength. Sometimes you just gotta wait. What was you waiting? I'm floating, baby. <laughs> just floating. Did you know one of, one of the 10 commandments is you need to take a day of rest every single week. That's right up there with adultery and, and stealing and lying and cussing God is take a day of rest. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. We're supposed to take a day every week and recreate. What do you think we get the word recreation, recreation? You need to, you need to recreate. Here's number nine. Y'all writing this down, right? This is cool. The ark, Noah's ark, was built by amateurs. The Titanic was built by professionals. Well, so here's what, I, here's what I would say to that. Make sure your confidence is in the right people and the right things. And what I mean by that is if, if God says something, then it doesn't matter what anyone else says. You can be sure it's going to work. Okay, let me help you clear that up. Scientists say the bumblebee can't fly, but the bumblebee doesn't know it, so he flies anyway. Because there's some things, your logic, it's like, we talked about it a while ago. Let me throw this one. It's very important because this is a value of mine. Some people say tithing and giving my first 10% of my income back to God doesn't make sense. And, and we get all messed up with this money thing. And then we get ooh, nervous. But, but Janet and I, we just do it anyway. And God just keeps blessing our life. I don't care what other people say. Because God said, if you put me first, I'll take care of you. And we just stand on that simple promise. So it's up to you. You want to struggle managing your money your whole life? Well, then it's up to your cleverness and how smart you can be. And some people are really smart. Or do you just want to be smart, trust God, and let him do things you can't do? I, gotta, I, I, can, I can't tell you the hundreds of times that God just blesses our life. And we didn't even see it coming. Like I, I couldn't have made that happen. 
And all I gotta tell you is when you put God first, and that's God's plan, it's not like, it's just like, well, I just don't wanna, I just don't wanna honor God with my giving. The Bible says honor the Lord with the first of everything. Honor God that way. So people say it don't work, but it does work. Okay. Let me give you another thought. Medical studies say that Janet shouldn't be alive. But she is. In fact, two weeks ago, as we announced the report we just got, which is the best report we've had in probably 10 years, close to it, and we, we announced that report, and a medical doctor in our service, one of my friends, texted me. He said, it's, it's not probable, it's not medically probable to get that report. But glory be to God, it's a miracle. So, so I choose to listen to that. <laughs> okay. Here's another one. Are, are, are you are good? Here's another one. I, I'm hurrying. The woodpeckers on the inside of the ark were a bigger threat than the storm on the outside. That little root of bitterness, that little thought of anger, that question, that doubt, that, that feed, that inside is like, and the whole Ukraine is being destroyed and the world is in chaos and all the people are going to hell every day and dying, needing God. And over here's this envy and this little situation is in my heart and it's just chipping away at your life. Bible says the little foxes spoil the vine. Sometimes we got these big old traps. I'll, I'll see it when it's coming and it sneaks in. It sneaks in a thought, an idea. Somebody said something. Somebody texted you. Did you know? And it starts eating away at your inside. What seemingly small thing is chipping away at you on the inside? A bad attitude, doubt, unforgiveness, resentment. But I'm praying every day and I'm serving God, but I'm not dealing with this issue over here. The woodpecker on the inside, you better watch out. You got. Not the woodpecker's fault. He's just doing what he normally is supposed to do. You just got to make sure you keep all your ducks in a row. Bible didn't say anger is wrong. It just said don't be angry and go to sleep on it and let it destroy your life. I need to say that again. The woodpecker's not bad. You just don't need to put the woodpecker next to the edge of the ark where he can chip away. You need to keep the woodpecker in the right place. You need to keep your attitude right. You just got to anger. I, I, I'm mad. I'm mad right now at some stuff. I was so angry the last two days about some stuff. Not, not to do with you, not to do with my family, but some stuff. Just angry. I mean, angry, angry. But you got to keep that in check. You got to put that in the, you can't let it start eating away at your heart and become cynical or get a bad attitude, or throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. <laughs> Don't ignore that bad attitude because it'll grow into something bigger and it'll destroy you. 
Don't let somebody whisper in your ear something and you're like, it sounds like true. There's always two sides, never forget that. And usually there's three sides. There's yours and the truth. All right, we get, or here's the 11th one, we're almost done. No matter the storm, when God is with you, there's always a rainbow at the end. God's promises are all you need. Don't miss the miracle. If you, if you didn't hear that sermon, go back last year, I think it was last summer, I preached a message, don't miss the miracle. On a summer afternoon in our backyard, we have a couple of acres, I, I noticed a deer laying down, it was raining, I walked past it almost out the window of the back of the house, and I'm like, well, what is that? I was busy, but I stopped, and I kept looking, it was a deer laying down, and I didn't, then a little later, I thought, well, what's that deer still laying down in the back, and then I realized she had just given birth. And that little fawn was trying to get up. It's all wobbly and it's standing in the rain. And then, you know, you ever seen it before? Y'all ever seen it? Raise your hand if you ever seen something like that. Hope, come on now. If, if, how many of you have ever seen the birth of an animal like that? Come on. If you've never seen it, you, it's amazing. And I stopped there for a minute and God spoke to me. said, don't miss the miracle. Right in your backyard, it's raining. You're busy coming. And miracles are happening all around you. They're happening all around you. And some of you are so caught up with other junk, you're missing all the miracles. Ain't nothing happened. Yeah, it's happening all around you. I drove by Scott and White Hospital on my way to church today. And and I bet there were babies being born in there. I didn't even think about it. Because it wasn't mine. But give me a couple weeks. And I'm going to be like standing outside like, I'm in. I ain't wearing no mask. Get me in this place right now. My grandson's being born. My miracle's coming. Their miracle, but my, it's my son. That's, that's right? Miracle. Don't miss the miracle. Don't be so bent out of shape. Don't get, we're all in this together. Jesus said you're going to have troubles. But be a good kid. Be a good cheer. I can't stop the storm. All right, here's my last one. Wisdom from the story of Noah. My last, my last one. Whatever you do, don't miss the boat. The Bible says that Noah and his family went in and God shut the door. I can hear my dad's voice right now preaching a sermon where he's describing what parents must have felt like when the waters begin to rise and they were holding their children above the water line to spare their life, banging on the side of the ark to be let in, but it was too late. God had shut the door and no man could open it. I wish I'd have believed you, Noah. Wish I'd have responded. I should have helped you build that boat. I wish. It's too late. It's too late. I just beg of you today, give your life to Jesus while you can. He died for you. 
gave his blood on a cross to pay for your sin and for mine. He paid our price, our ransom, the scripture says. We're, we're separated from God because of the sin of humanity. And Jesus came as the human sacrifice from heaven to buy men's sins, to pay for them so that we can have a right relationship with our Father God. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. But if you miss the boat, you don't want to read all of what's going to happen to those who are left behind after Jesus comes. When you read that in Scripture, it is horrific. You do not want to spend eternity in a burning, blazing pit of fire called hell. You don't want to do that. It wasn't made for you. God told man, I'm building a boat so you can, if they'll listen to your message, Noah, of redemption, they can be saved. But nobody listened, only his sons and his daughter-in-laws and he and his wife. That was it. Don't miss the boat. And you can receive Jesus right now. In fact, I'd like you just to take a moment of reflection. Just close your eyes. Just you and the Lord, a private moment like, God, am I ready to meet you? I want to be saved. I want to... receive forgiveness of my sin we've all have sin and we have to surrender it to God and ask for forgiveness and so right now would you just ask that question Lord am I ready and answer it if you're not ready we can change that right now and I want to pray with you no one moving around everybody real still it's a personal very important moment if you're viewing somewhere I want you to pause for a moment if you can Am I ready to meet Jesus? The Bible says, if you'll say with your mouth, Jesus, forgive me. I accept your gift of salvation, your sacrifice on my behalf. You are my Savior. I invite you to be my leader and my Lord of my life. And I'll do my best to serve you, to follow you. If you'll pray that simple prayer, you can be saved. So can I pray with you right in this room, right where you are right now? Heads are bowed just to respect for one another. Here's a question. I'd like to know who I'm leading in prayer. And if that's you and you say, Pastor, I want to be ready. I want to make sure I don't miss the boat. Would you raise your hand in that private moment? Just, I want to make sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands are going up. Thank you. Just slip it up high. Slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to be ready. God bless you. What a beautiful day. Thank you. Hold it up. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just a moment more. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right there online, right where you're at, right where you're watching from today, would you just say, yes, I want to pray this prayer. Okay. Put your hands down now. And I want us all to pray together. Repeat after me. Say this. Say, dear Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I surrender completely to you. Thank you for dying on the cross and taking my place. And I invite you today to be my Lord and my leader from this day forward. And I'll do my best to honor you and to serve you 
In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the boat today, everybody. Come on, let's welcome everybody with a big hand clap. Our team is going to give you something. Come on, church.